Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. To bear fruit and fulfill our God-given destiny, we must be equipped for the task. In this episode, Pastor Andrew looks at this process of equipping and unpacks a powerful prayer that can impact our relationship with God. Don't you love that Old Testament reading about the bones? Just so you know what's going on with Ezekiel, is Ezekiel is living in Babylon. He had been one of the priests taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and taken in slavery to Babylon. Now, when they got to Babylon, they were treated really well. But on the way, they weren't. They were marching to Babylon naked. That was one of the penalties that both Isaiah and Jeremiah had warned them about. So you can imagine the embarrassment of something like that. But they settled into Babylon. People like Daniel, for instance, were promoted to high positions within the administration of the nation. But there was the sense that our bones feel like they're all dried up because we're just not home. So even though they were still alive, which makes the story really peculiar, they were dead in themselves. And God gets Ezekiel to stand and to declare these words over a valley of dry bones. But at the end says, hey Ezekiel, what you've been doing is reviving a living nation called Israel who's in Babylon. And what I find really powerful for us is this part of it. I will make breath enter you and you will come alive. I'll put my spirit in you and you will live and I'll settle you in your own land. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe to these slain that they may live. Now, how does that apply to us? I've been reflecting over the last couple of weeks on a number of different levels. And just what COVID has done to us despite what views or attitudes or approach to COVID we might have had. It has changed our lives in dramatic ways. The actions taken by our government to deal with COVID caused great angst whether you agree with it or not. Angst in the sense that there were many who disagreed with governments acting in such a way. But angst for those who weren't so much worried about what the government was doing, 
but the dislocation that occurred because of things called lockdowns. For probably every one of us, that was a foreign experience. And if you'd asked us months before that, would our government ever take such action? Well, of course not. We're Australia, you know. We're free. And all of a sudden we weren't. Not that we were slaves, but we were no longer free. And that loss of freedom was disconcerting. And for many people in our community and our church, they've not recovered from it. And there is a sense as we move in various arenas, both in the church and outside, chaos reigns where there used to be stability. So whether we are secure in ourselves is not the issue. In a chaotic word, even our stability, even our internal stability still gets thrown from time to time. And I've had good team members advising me every time I hit a certain arena that chaos reigns there. So don't expect everything to be really okay and all right. And that has been helpful because it hasn't been okay and it hasn't been all right. But in the midst of that, the ramifications of COVID, personally and community-wise and financially, some of us entered COVID already having problems. And some of our members haven't survived COVID because of that. But also that many of us in the last three or four years have suffered grief. And grief's difficult at any point in time, let alone in an environment of chaos. Because you're already trying to cope with one level of impacting influences. And then grief comes in on top or under that. And as Neil was explaining, many of us are having parents who are going into retirement homes or going into extra care and all those things. I remember telling the story time and time again of the Bush Nurse Hospital in Nadimut, a town of 300 people in the Wimmera. I used to get calls sometimes in the middle of the night and I'd go into this room and the person's in a coma. If I didn't know where they were with Jesus, and that was the case for a lot of them, I would pray this prayer. Father God, if this person is not right with you, then I ask that you act to do something about that. I remember one lady, and I came down one night, prayed for her saying the same prayer. This was an extremely bitter lady. And she got better for six months. Then I was called down in the middle of the day saying that she's about to pass away. And I came into her room and there were her adult children, you know, the ones that she was bitter about. And I came up to the bedside and I said this, do you know that you are loved in this room? And she said, yes, I know. And the whole room just filled with the presence of God 
and the love of God. Something had changed. After I'd gone out and the children came out, they said, did you feel that? They felt it. These were the kids whom she hated and now loved. By the way, I've shared this because one of the teams actually been practicing this prayer and I think it's powerful. You see, God loves our family more than we do. Even if they are far from him, angry with him, dismissive of him, Jesus went to the cross for them because God loves them. How do we know God loves them? You could say that Jesus told us God loved them. And where would you get that from? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The world here means every person on the planet, no matter who they are, where they come from, or what they've done. Doesn't matter about their past, doesn't matter about their attitude, doesn't matter about where their heart's been or how closed off they've been. God gave his only begotten son. Now I'm a very peculiar theologian because I don't believe what the scholars tell me. I believe the scholars have something fundamentally wrong. Because the scholars will tell me that Jesus never said these words. So if Jesus never said these words and this was something that John made up, how do we know God loves us? How do we know God loves our family? Now why would a scholar possibly say that John 3.16 onwards was something that Jesus himself never said? Well, they'll argue this, that if you read from verse 1 onwards, around about verse 13, Jesus changes from the first person to the third person. Jesus didn't say, for God so loved the world that he gave me. Wouldn't that sound peculiar? They would argue that the fact that it's now in the third person, that John had basically summed up Jesus' message in some way or other and presented it in his own words. And so the question is, is there anything in the passage that would possibly explain why Jesus would move from the first person to the third person? Because he's got a conversation going on with Nicodemus, who's one of the Sanhedrin, and Nicodemus is just plain, plain old dumb. Jesus is trying to get across to him the power of what his message is about, and that we must be born again of spirit and water. And Nicodemus is saying, how can I go back into my mother's womb? Whatever you're saying, Jesus, it's just impossible. And Jesus gets so frustrated with Nicodemus. 
This is if we're telling you natural stories and you can't get it, how are you going to understand the spiritual elements? And this is what I think Jesus did. Because he couldn't get through to this guy. So he shifts from the personal to the third person. It is a dynamic of communication that Jesus is using with Nicodemus to get him to get it, to get him to understand. So if you won't get what I'm saying about myself, then let's just move the conversation to what it is God is doing. And this is what God is doing. God loves. I believe Jesus spoke these words. They're the most powerful words that we find in the Bible. They're the most telling and encouraging and inspiring words throughout the whole book. And they center us in the purpose of God. God so loved. Not only did he love us, but he was willing to give his own son you know what that meant? That Jesus, the eternal Son of God, living in eternity with God, being part of the Godhead, being God himself, leaves heaven and takes human form and puts at risk their eternal relationship. God actually, in this action of sending his Son into the world in the person of Jesus Christ, puts himself at risk, puts them at risk for us. They risk their own Godhead, their own godliness for us. That's how much he loves. And he not just only loves us, he loves every person, our family. And if they're going through those tough times, them through. Now, if you don't know where they are with Jesus, then pray that prayer. Lord, I don't know where they are. I don't know if they're right with you, but Lord, do something that will change that. That will make that happen. It is so important. Not that we care for our family, but we have this absolute confidence that our God cares for them. No matter where they've been, where they are, how inconsequential God is in their life, that our God will go beyond anything to bring them home, to bring them through. So let me change the topic now. One of the key elements of Lynette and my ministry is mobilising the laity of the church for ministry. As priests, as ministers, we're called to equip our laity for ministry. That's our calling. That's our biblical calling. 
It's not simply to go around and do all the ministry. Or it's not a matter of getting our lay people to come down and do the jobs we don't want to do. Or we don't like doing. No, our job is to engage our lay people, that means you, in the ministry that God has given to you, that God has equipped you for, and that God has called you for. Some of us, that ministry extends out into the world in the jobs and the vocations we have. But there's also an element that all of us have a ministry within the church. And it is so easy to become out of date. If we're not retraining, re-reflecting, relearning, then we are shifting off the cutting edge of our effectiveness and ministries of church. Imagine standing before God. Now, this is really important. Imagine standing before God and Him saying, Where is your fruit? And the last thing you want to say to him is, what fruit? Jesus wants us to be aware that God's going to ask us that question. And that we are created individually and uniquely with a divine purpose. It has never been in our picture that I'm training people for what I want them to do. What I'm doing is engaging and equipping them so that they can fulfill their destiny in God. And at the end of the day, as they stand before Father God and say, hey God, here's my fruit. What is the fruit? What does the fruit look like? We can't take anything out of this world except our souls and spirits. You realise that? We can take the souls and spirits of others with us. We can take elements of our own personality and our actions and our life with us. But somewhere in the midst of that is the fruit that God expects from us, the fruit that Jesus talked to us about. Now, why am I saying this today? Is because I believe that our fruit is going to increase. That we've walked through darkness so heavy, it has weighed us down, it has burdened us, it's worn us out, it's impacted us spiritually, solically, and physically. And that's about to change. You see, part of what God wants to do is not only retrain us. He wants to restore us. You know in Psalm 23 it says, He restores your soul. Jesus' business with you and me is to restore our soul. God is in the business of restoration. doesn't matter how old we are. Our physical frailty is going to limit some of what we can do but it's not going to limit us from doing what God wants us to do. That he will restore our soul. And you know, our God heals. 
devil has been wanting to scream at us, God does not heal. God does not care. I want to tell you, we have a healing God, we have a caring God, we have a loving God, and we have a God who will take those who are weary and burdened, and if you wait on him, you will rise up with wings as eagles, and you will run and not faint. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us so much. You love our family members so much. We bring those family members to you now. Whether they're young or old, especially those that we're not sure where they are with you. And we ask this, God, that if they're not right with you, you will act. You will do something for them so strong and so powerful that you will bring them through to you and that their hearts might join you for eternity as your children and members of your family. Lord, you know the weariness of soul that we've experienced, the pressures, the tensions, the disappointments, the restrictions. Revive us, Father God. Give us a new strength deep within at every level of our being that we might rise up and complete the work that you've called us to do individually and as a church. And Lord, pour out an unbelievable anointing on us that we might see your church turn around in the way in which it treats, respects and accepts its lay people and bring them through into their ministries so that your church can truly grow. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.